One of our core values here at River City Church is multiplication. We seek to be multiplicative. And not only do we love the word multiplicative, we enjoy doing it. We enjoy multiplying disciples, multiplying leaders, and Lord willing, multiplying churches. And this is one of the main reasons why this young sir, Mitchell Friedman, is going to preach God's word to us this morning. Mitch is a first-year seminary student at RTS, and Lord willing, he has a desire to be a pastor and church planter one day. And if I have it my way, uh, which may or may not happen, Lord willing, we'd like to multiply him out of River City uh, to church plant or pastor another church. And so that's why he is here this morning to proclaim God's word. So I'm going to pray for him. And then I'm going to hand the metaphorical talking stick over to him. He has his own. Father, we need you every hour. But especially this hour, as you speak to us through your word. And we thank you that when we need you, we can come to you and you hear our prayer because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. And even if our prayer doesn't make sense, your Holy Spirit helps us in ways that we don't understand. And so hear our prayer this morning. Our prayer is that you speak to us. Use this young man, Mitch, and align with his heart and speak your truth boldly through him. And give us all ears to hear and hearts to know you. And as you speak to us, Lord, I pray that you renew our minds and transform our hearts. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Devin. <clears throat> Morning, River City. As Devin said, I'm Mitch, and this is my summer's not over yet shirt. So hopefully the bright colors, even though school's starting and we've had some colder uh, days recently, hopefully this shirt encourages you that summer's not over. <laughs> <clears throat> this summer, we've been going through Hebrews 11, looking at different aspects of faith that we see in the Old Testament. And hopefully this sounds familiar by now, but the definition of faith is confidence that God will do all that he has promised to do. The goal of Hebrews 11 was to encourage the original readers of this letter to persevere in faith amidst persecution. The author does this by giving many examples of faith in the Old Testament. Today we'll be continuing this series in Hebrews 11 in verses 30 and 31. So if you'd like to follow along, um, I'd recommend grabbing a copy of God's Word. Our strike team is coming around with copies. If you don't have one, you know, just stick your hand up. To begin with, open to Hebrews 11, verses 30 and 31. These stories refer to, um, or come from Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua 6 in the Old Testament. So um, I'm going to be referring to them a lot, and if you just want to look there as I'm preaching, um, you can find um, the book of Joshua as well. So this is God's infallible word to us this morning. And when we say infallible, what we mean is that God's word cannot and will not fail. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. <clears throat> Thanks to Sunday school and Veggie Tales, most of you learned of, of Jericho from a young age. 
Whether the lyrics, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, pop into your head, or French peas singing, keep walking and throwing slushies, most of you are familiar with this story and have been for quite some time. If you didn't get either of those references, I'm sorry. I thought they'd cover a pretty good span. Um, (laughs) But when a story is familiar to us, it can become dull and lose its sense of relevance. Hebrews 11 is supposed to be examples of faith that we can identify with and be encouraged by. But how do we identify with these two examples this morning? Have you ever found obedience hard? Have you found yourself questioning what God is doing in your life and struggling to follow him? Have you ever found yourself trying to follow God, yet everyone around you isn't? Have you ever felt like you stand out for being a Christian? In those times, obedience to God might not make sense to us. Joshua and Rahab found themselves in scenarios like that. And their stories help us answer this question this morning. What do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? Obey by faith. We're going to do a quick run-through of the Old Testament narrative. Last week, Charlie talked about um, the people being led by Moses out of Egypt. They continued to be led by Moses through the desert for 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, Moses dies and the leadership of the people is handed off to Joshua. An interesting note, Joshua in Hebrew means the Lord saves. So the people were going to be led into the promised land by a man named the Lord saves. In Joshua chapter 1, Joshua now commands the people of Israel and the Lord says that he will be with him as he was with Moses. In Joshua 2, we pick up the beginning of Rahab's story. Joshua sends two spies into the promised land to scope scope it out, especially the city of Jericho. The spies find themselves at the home of Rahab the prostitute, just before the gates close at evening. The king hears that the spies are at Rahab's home and sends guards ordering Rahab to give up the spies. Rahab lies and says that the men did come, but they left and sends the guards on a wild goose chase. Then Rahab goes up to the rooftop and talks with the spies. She proclaims to the spies how all the people have heard of them and their God and the mighty works that he has done. The people in Rahab fear the Lord, the God of Israel. Rahab asks the spies to vow to spare her and her family. The spies agree and swear that her and her family will be sweared if they stay in her house when the people of Israel come. They tell her to put a scarlet cord in the window to mark her house, and all within it will be spared. Her home is in the wall, and she lets the men out her window by a rope and tells them how to avoid the search party. The men arrive back to Joshua and say, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Then in Joshua 3, the Lord parts the waters of the Jordan River and the people of Israel cross through to the promised land on dry ground. In Joshua 4, they take memorial stones from the river to remember how the Lord brought them into the promised land. They set up camp in Gilgal, which is 14 miles from Jericho. 
Then in Joshua 5, the men are circumcised and all the people keep the Passover and the manna from heaven discontinues because they are now able to eat of the fruit of the promised land. Then in the beginning of Joshua 6, God says to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. He then gives Joshua the plans to defeat the city. Joshua is to take the men of war, the Ark of the Covenant, seven priests with seven trumpets and march around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they are to march around seven times. And when they hear the trumpet blast, they are to yell and the wall will fall down flat. Immediately, Joshua starts ordering the people according to these plans and they march around the city one time. They do this five more times on five separate days. And then on the seventh day, They get up early in the morning and march around the city seven times. The horn blows, they give a great shout, and the walls fall. Joshua orders for all the city to be destroyed. Only Rahab and her family are to live. He orders the two men who made the vow with Rahab to go find her and bring her family out alive. The city is destroyed, and Rahab and her family are spared. That was six chapters of Old Testament narrative right there. If you have time this week, I encourage you to go back and read it, especially chapters 2 and 6 of the book of Joshua to see the details in the story of Rahab and Jericho. Now the question, like I said at the beginning, I believe these two examples help us answer this morning is, what do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? That answer is obey by faith. Point one this morning is obey by faith because God's plans don't always make sense. All right, Joshua, I've given the city into your hand. Ready for the plan? Get the men of war, the Ark of the Covenant, seven priests and seven horns. March around the city for six days, once a day, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. Then the priests will sound their trumpets and all the people will shout and the walls will fall down flat. You know that when you and your friend have a very similar idea and you're like, ah, great minds think alike. I don't think that was Joshua's reaction. Scripture doesn't actually give us any of his thoughts, but I doubt that he had the same battle strategy going in. In fact, he sent out spies to scope out the place probably to come up with a plan. To a human commander, this plan does not make sense. But Joshua had seen the Lord do incredible things. He witnessed the exodus from Egypt. He watched the people provide, or he watched the Lord provide for his people in the wilderness. He was a part of several military victories um, before they entered the promised land. And he saw the Jordan River divided and walked through it on dry ground. So maybe that's how in the very next verse, after God gives Joshua the battle plans, it says, So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. He obeyed right away, and all the people followed his commands. They encircled the city of Jericho once a day for six days, and on the seventh they circled it seven times, and the wall fell. Joshua and the people obeyed by faith. God promised to deliver Jericho over to Israel. Joshua obeyed God's battle plans that didn't make sense because he had confidence that God would do all that he said he would do. Though the plans didn't make sense, 
the greater nonsense was that God would not be faithful to his promise. Though the plans didn't make sense, the greater nonsense was that God would not be faithful to his promise. What do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? Do you obey God's commands by faith in his promises? Way back when I was a kid, I got the idea that I knew better than my parents. Right around age nine, I felt like I had equal reasoning skills with my mom and dad. They would tell me, when I, or they would tell me to do my chores, and I would say no. They would discipline me, and I thought they were overreacting and wrong. When they gave me rules, I thought they were restrictive. When they tried to teach me lessons and skills, I rolled my eyes and was reluctant. I tried to do things my own way because so much of how they tried to raise me didn't make sense to me. Until I moved to Fargo exactly six years ago this weekend. As I began life outside my parents' roof, I began to progressively realize how much they were right. I saw their reasoning in things and agreed with it. I was thankful they disciplined me the way they did, and I saw their love in it. I saw their rules as wise and caring. I cherished the lessons that they taught me and wish I'd paid better attention. As a kid, I was disobedient because I did not have faith in my parents. I thought I was wiser. I doubted that everything they did for me was out of love. I rebelled because things didn't make sense to me. I had thoughts like, if I was them, I would have let myself play my Game Boy all day. Or, if they were good parents, they wouldn't have disciplined me for making my brother cry. He deserved it. (laughs) Again, when their parenting practices didn't make sense to me, I rebelled because I was not looking to the promise that they loved me and had my best intentions in mind. What do you do when things don't make sense? Are you quick to come up with your own plans like I was as a kid? What do you do when God's plans don't make sense? How can you obey by faith? Our first application this morning is have faith in the promise. How much different would my childhood have been if I reacted this way? Hmm, my parents are wise and they care for me. What they're telling me to do must be for my good, even though I don't understand how right now. But I know they love me, so I will trust what they say. From what I know now, I should have reacted that way a lot more. And how much greater is our Heavenly Father than our earthly parents? He is love. He is just. He is sovereign. He is merciful. He is gracious and faithful. He is eternal and unchanging. And he has filled this book with promises. And for us in Christ, these promises should be one of the most cherished things that we have. For Joshua and the people of Israel, God promised them the land and he promised them victory. Their obedience was founded on their faith in the promise from God. My disobedience as a kid was due to my lack of faith in my parents' promise to love me. Obedience must be founded on faith. Times will come where we don't understand what God is doing in our lives. Times of suffering, confusion, and doubt will come 
Maybe you're in one of those places right now and God's plans don't make sense and obedience is hard. What do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? Have faith in the promise. When you lose your job, have faith that you are more valuable than the sparrow and he will provide for you. When you get the diagnosis, have faith that God is able to heal in this life, but surely in the resurrection. When you fall into grievous sins, have faith in the gospel and remember the forgiveness that God promises you in Christ. When you're spiritually dry, just searching for God and wondering where he's at, have faith that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you have bitterness in your heart, have faith in God's justice and forgive. When you don't understand what's going on in your lives, you can trust that your Heavenly Father is in control. When obedience doesn't make sense, have faith in God's promises. By faith, the people of Israel obeyed and they marched around the walls and the walls obeyed too. God kept his promise and the walls fell. But why did the walls need to fall in the first place? Because Jericho worshipped other gods and was opposed to the God of Israel and was disobedient. And our next example of faith comes from within those very walls. Point two this morning is we obey by faith because we are surrounded by disobedience. As we turn our attention to Rahab, let's reread verse 31 in Hebrews 11. By faith, Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Put yourself in Rahab's sandals for a minute. You've grown up in the security of the walls of Jericho your whole life. You've worshipped the God of your people for as long as you can remember. Your family is all there, and you spend your days under the governance of your king. Then you hear that the nation Israel is approaching your land, and the stories of what their God has done for them are spread around your city. As everyone around fears, you too tremble. Yet it appears your city is going to oppose this nation and close up its gates. It's going to oppose this nation whose God does mighty things. And then, out of nowhere, two spies come into your home. What do you do? When everyone around you is disobedient to this God of Israel, how does obedience to him make sense? What do you do when it doesn't make sense? The same question Rahab faced 3,400 years ago, we still face today. In a land opposed to God, how does obedience make sense? When so many around us are living for themselves, how can we follow a God who calls us to die to ourselves? The answer is by faith. By faith, Rahab receives the spies with a friendly welcome. This is the act referred to in our passage in Hebrews, and it's also referred to in James 2.25. This is the act of obedience that Scripture uses to commend Rahab's faith. She greeted enemy spies with a friendly welcome. Her allegiance took a 180-degree turn. She went from obedient to her king to obedient to the God of Israel. We see this when the king catches wind of what's happening. 
he sends for Rahab and demands that she hands over the spies. What Rahab does next shows who her obedience is to. Even though she had hidden the spies on the roof, she tells the king that she sent them off and sends them on a false path. How is that obedience to a righteous God? Good question. If you look at Rahab's story and wonder how she's praised for her faith, you're not alone. Her story involves a lie, treason against her king, and deceiving soldiers of Jericho. This has been debated over church history. Did Rahab sin, or was this a righteous lie? With the witness of Scripture and an explanation by R.C. Sproul, I argue that her deception was not a sin. Three times, Scripture mentions Rahab being spared because she received the spies. And in those three instances, Rahab is commended for her, for her act, not condemned for any deception. So I will not go beyond the witness of Scripture and say that she sinned in her story. R.C. Sproul explains it this way. Lying is wrong because it violates God's righteousness and justice. Justice requires that we tell the truth to whom the truth is due. Jericho and her king were filled with wickedness and injustice and therefore was not due the truth in order that Rahab could save the righteous spies. Rahab's allegiance was to the righteous God of Israel and away from her wicked king. In a way, it's similar to German citizens harboring and hiding Jews in their homes during the Holocaust. Sproul calls Rahab courageous and justified for her protecting the spies from the wicked king of Jericho. She aligns herself with the righteous God of Israel and opposes herself to the wicked, unrighteous king of Jericho. So however, based on that argument, we must understand that God loves the truth, and we see that in the Ninth Commandment and many other places in Scripture. And this story is an exception to the norm. Our job is not to leave here and look for opportunities to justify our lies. The occasion in Rahab's story and several others in Scripture are not common, and there is no instruction in Scripture telling us how to copy these occasions. We serve a God who loves truth, who is truth, and who demands truth, so we must always strive for truth. So, so far, we've only seen what Rahab has done, but not why she does it. But as we continue this story, we get a wonderful proclamation of what I call the truth on the roof. She was obedient even though she was surrounded by disobedience. How does that make sense? She obeyed by faith. Her faith was in the God of Israel. She says to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Rahab was confident that God would do all he promised to do, and he was who he says he was. 
This faith causes her to obey. This is why she receives the spies, deceives her king, asks to be spared, helps the spies, brings her family into her home, and ultimately is spared. Though surrounded by disobedience, all those acts of obedience were directly linked to her faith in God's faithfulness. And we see God's faithfulness in Joshua 6.25. God was faithful to his promise to destroy Jericho, and he was faithful to his promise through the spies to spare Rahab and her family. Now, all of this discussion on obedience and disobedience might have some of us feeling slightly condemned this morning. We don't always obey. We can all see times where we've been disobedience or been disobedient and lacked faith. We can look at plenty of examples probably from this week. So where can we find hope? Rahab was a Canaanite prostitute. She was one of the more sinful sinners in a city of sin. And while Jericho is destroyed for its sin, this woman and her family are spared and are welcomed into the people of Israel. In fact, this is going off script, but God sent spies into the land. Joshua sent spies into the land, and by God's providence, they went and they found Rahab. But the plan was never really, it didn't need spies. The plan was to march around the city, and like that plan didn't need battle strategy. And so these spies, by God's providence, are sent to find Rahab for the very reason to show God's mercy and grace in the midst of his justice and righteousness. And her story continues. Rahab marries a man named Salmon, like the color of my shirt. (laughs) And Salmon was the father of Boaz, who was the father of Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. By God's sovereign providence, he not only spared Rahab, but made her the great-great-grandmother of King David. And Matthew 1 takes that genealogy even further, right up to Jesus the Messiah, mentioning Rahab in verse 5. By God's grace, a Canaanite prostitute is forgiven of her sin and placed in the lineage of the Savior who came to save sinners like us. Jesus lived the only perfect, perfectly obedient life and yet died the death of one who was disobedient to forgive us of our sins and justify us before God. If your faith is in Christ this morning, Your disobedience is paid for in Christ. We are free from slavery to sin and free from the condemnation of the law and free to obey God's commands. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This morning I read this quote from Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. Um, where he speaks on the battle between our spirit and our flesh in this way. When you feel this battle, resist in spirit and say, I am a sinner and I feel sin in me, for I have not yet put off the flesh in which sin dwells so long as it lives, but I will obey by the spirit and not the flesh. That is, 
I will live by faith and hope. Or I will by faith and hope lay hold on Christ and by his word I will raise myself up and will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. By our faith in Christ, we are called to freedom. That freedom involves forgiveness in Christ and walking in obedience to God by faith. And like Rahab, our obedience to God doesn't make sense because we are surrounded by disobedience within and without. On Thursday, we had our church league softball tournament. In the tournament, we lost our first two games and found ourselves in the last place game. It was a pretty tight game the whole way through. It was back and forth, and Alex Stendi was on first base when there was a base hit. He runs to second and rounds the base and goes for third. The throw is close. Did the tag get on him? The ref calls him safe. But he gets up and trots toward the dugout. As he passes the umpire, he says his foot came off the bag and the guy tagged him out. No one probably would have known. Alex could have stayed on the base and no one would have batted an eye. Yet he obeyed what was right against opposition. And I think I'm safe in saying that most of the team wanted him to just stay on the bag and not say anything. (laughs) And I think that... Um, oh, yeah, sorry. We really wanted him to stay on that bag. <laughs> we were trying to end a six-game losing streak and not take last in the league tournament. And we needed that run. I also think it's safe to say that part of Alex's flesh wanted him to stay on that bag. The ump called him safe. We needed the run. There were two outs, and only he would have known. But he also knew what was right. What do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? As he trotted off the field, his obedience to what was right did two things. His obedience faced opposition, and it stood out. And those are applications from the story of Rahab this morning as well. Like Jericho, this world is opposed to God. Sin has infiltrated every aspect of our lives and surrounded us with disobedience. And even though we are made new in Christ and able to be obedient by faith, the remnant of our flesh still opposes us with temptations to sin. So whether we look within or without, we are going to find opposition to obedience in God. And this is why we must obey by faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ and the promises of God fulfilled in him. In him we have everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, adoption into God as sons and daughters, newness of life, freedom from sin, and fellowship with God. And our God who is holy and righteous calls us to live righteous and holy lives. So if we believe the gospel to be true, then we strive to live lives of obedience despite the opposition. Rahab's whole city was disobedient while she was obedient because she had faith that God would do all that he promised to do. We obey, when we obey by faith, we say who God is and what he's promised is worth worth facing opposition.
expect opposition, know what God promises, and then strive to obey by faith in those promises amidst the opposition. And when you fail, confess, repent, and continue on in obedience to the God who forgives and justifies sinners in Christ. Our second application, obey by faith even though it stands out. Fitting in is natural to us. Conformity is comfortable. Standing out on purpose, especially when it gets us mocked, doesn't really make sense. Again, what do you do when obedience doesn't make sense? Obey by faith even though it stands out. Obedience to God will stand out in this world. A small match stands out very brightly in a dark room. And we are surrounded by those who are spiritually darkened by their disbelief and disobedience to God. When we walk in the light, as 1 John instructs us to, we will stand out among the darkness. As we strive for obedience to God in love for him and love for others, we will stand out. As we strive to live righteously, we will stand out amongst the unrighteousness. And we do this through faith in the gospel. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. By faith in Christ, we are set free to live for him in the power of the Spirit. This faith says that God is our master and our father, and we will obey him who loves us no matter how much it stands out. This does not mean we need to go look for extra biblical ways to stand out and just be weird on purpose. If we obey what God says in Scripture and seek his, his wisdom in all things, we will stand out plenty. And also, the message of the gospel stands out. The grace and forgiveness that we have in Christ stands out against the many messages of works-based or merit-based salvation that this world lives by. In Christ's death and resurrection, we have been given salvation and eternal and an eternal relationship with God. The incredible gift is by his grace, and we receive it through faith. So when the gospel stands out amongst these merit-based messages, obey the gospel by faith. Believe in the gospel by faith. Following Christ will not make sense to the world, but obey by faith. In concluding this morning, our big question at the beginning, what do we do when obedience doesn't make sense? To Joshua, obedience didn't make sense because God's plans didn't make sense. But he obeyed by faith in God's faithfulness and faith in his promise. Though the plans didn't make sense, the greater nonsense was that God would not fulfill his promise. To Rahab, Obedience didn't make sense because she was surrounded by disobedience. She obeyed by faith that God would do all that he promised to do. Though it won't make sense to the world, we follow the one who has overcome the world. So when obedience faces opposition and stands out, our main point this morning, obey by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you 
as fallen, broken sinners who need forgiveness. Lord, we see in this story that you are righteous and that you love righteousness and that you are just and will punish disobedience. Help us look to the cross this morning and see your son Christ as our hope and only and our only hope for salvation. May we see your your justice there as well as your mercy and grace. Let us look at the cross and see how you could destroy Jericho and yet spare Rahab. Help us look at the cross and understand how you can punish the sinners of this world and yet spare us as your followers and your children. Lord, you are a God who is just and merciful and gracious. Help us obey by faith and live lives in the Spirit, obeying your commands, being empowered to do so. Um, Give us faith, Lord. We believe. Help our unbelief. Help us use this message and these words for this morning um, to be convicted, to um, be encouraged to have faith in your biggest promise, the gospel. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.